0: Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast, with your host, LaToya. This podcast was created as a platform for spreading love. They say love is the strongest magnetic force on the planet Earth. But if this is really true, why is love such a complicated subject matter? Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast, and I am your host, LaToya. I created this podcast in honor of my dad who was an acclaimed television broadcast engineer for nearly four decades. He also hosted an award-winning radio show called Speaking of Sports which is the inspiration behind the name of this podcast, Speaking of Love. My dad was an amazing guy who achieved levels of success that most people only dream of. He was held in the highest esteem and yes, He was a star in the public eye, but on March 2nd of 2020, his private struggles became public when he murdered his wife moments before taking his own life. So I created this podcast as a platform for spreading love around the globe while raising awareness for mental health and suicide prevention. My name is Latoya Bond, and I have a podcast called Speaking of Love. My podcast is dedicated to the memory of my dad who took his own life in a murder suicide. Aside from that, I am a business owner. I have a home-based business. I am also a legal professional during my nine to five day, and I am a person who operates her entire life on the premise of spreading love It's the secret to my success. It's the secret to my longevity on this earth, and it's what keeps us going, because love is the thing that makes all things beautiful. So that's why I'm here today to talk about my favorite subject in the whole wide world, and that's love. Hello everyone, and welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast, and I am your host, LaToya. I am so happy to be here today. I have an amazing guest with me. We are here today to kick off my Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month series. As you all know, September is Suicide Prevention Month, Suicide Awareness Month, and Candy Campbell is here today, all the way from Hawaii. It's six o'clock in the morning there. It's 12 o'clock noon here in Detroit, so I am so grateful to have Candy here with us today to share her love and wisdom. Thank you, Candy, and welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful to be here.
0: Thank you. Let me give our audience a brief introduction of who you are. Candy Campbell is a transformational therapist and grief counselor. And she specializes in helping people heal from the inside out. Candy is a master at identifying blocks that are hindering others from moving forward in their lives. Candy has suffered a tremendous loss in her life, and she's taken her pain and given it a greater purpose by being here today. So thank you and welcome again. Thank you. So how are you today, Candy? You're all the way in Hawaii. What's the weather like there today?
1: Well, right now it's currently still dark outside, but <laughs> it, when it when the sun comes up, it'll probably be in the 80s. It's mm. always warm here.
0: You but. know, Candy, I've been uh, educating myself on you and your work and your grief and transformational coach um, profession that you have developed. And I'm very... Uh, astonished by your level of strength and you've taken your pain that you have endured in life and you're using it for the higher good of other people. And I truly admire individuals like you. So talk to me a little bit about your, your journey and, and how this all started for you.
1: Mm. Well, you know, we all have our our stories. We all have experiences in life that can be hard. Um, Mm -hmm. In my process of of living, I discovered that when I was younger, when I was three, my mom did not, my parents didn't have a good working relationship when it came to communicating or doing the things that adults should do with each other. So I became a sounding board for my mother at a very early age. Unfortunately, three-year-olds don't have the wherewithal to handle adult problems. We, you know, we can't process things like that. So I took in my mom's problems and I knew it wasn't right But I didn't realize that how wrong it was. I knew, you know, I was missing something. And my mom always would apologize. I'm so sorry. But I didn't know to what extent that it was affecting my life until I became an adult. And it started to affect my life in many other ways. And it wasn't, I was doing a class, a master class, and I recognized the fact that I had some stuff that I had to deal with that was greatly impacting who I was. It was impacting my ability to connect with people, my ability to just be at peace, have an Mm. internal peace. And um, I started my journey to try to figure that out. I mean, I, I got a education in psychology. You know, they say people that become psychologists or get into psychology are usually trying to fix themselves. And that was true of me. I was trying to find solutions to why I was so broken.
0: Now, Candy, can you give me a few examples of how you became her sounding board? Like, what do you mean when you say you were your mom's sounding board?
1: Oh, my mother, she told me all the adult problems that she should have been having with my father, the conversations, yeah. the money problems, the, uh, you know, any issues she had with my father, instead of talking to him, she told me. So I took on adult worries when I didn't know how to handle them.
0: Mm. Which Now, not I'm good. sorry. No, go ahead. You, there's a little bit of a lag, but go ahead.
1: No, it's not good when you, you know, three year olds don't know how to handle those types of problems.
0: Mm hmm. Now, Candy, you specialize in helping people who are struggling to heal from a loss or if they're stuck in their grief. You have dedicated your life to helping these types of individuals, and you're a transformational therapist, a grief counselor. Talk to me a bit about your journey along this professional path for you. Are you currently working with clients right now?
1: Yes, I currently work with clients right now. I work with um, clients that are struggling to release grief, that have, uh, have had an emotionally debilitating event in their life. Um, and it can be anything from divorce to, uh, an empty nest to a loss of a job, a loss of, uh, an investment, you know, say you're going along and all of a sudden you, you lose your, the bottom drops out of your investment and you lose all your money. I know people would say, well, that's just a loss, but you still have to grieve it. And if you don't grieve it, it still affects you. Mm -hmm. So I help people that have experienced those uh, emotionally debilitating events, get some skills, some strategies and tools, so that they can move on from them. You know, everything that we encounter, creates us to be who we are today. But some people can't see past that they just look at the event, and they keep rehashing that event. So I teach my clients to not focus on what is, what is, is there can't change it. And you can't change the past. Mm. If you're in that, if you're in a conversation with yourself or someone else and you're going, I should have, could have, would have, and you're using those words means you're stuck in the past and you're trying to change something that has no ability to be changed. So instead of, you know, you have to look at events through the lens of curiosity to learn from it. Mm-hmm. How did that, you know, how can I learn from this event? What do I need to learn from it? And then you can, you know, make those adjustments in the present so that they don't affect the future. Mm-hmm. You. We talked earlier about um, events. When I, I lost my four-month-old little girl and both my parents um, within a short period of time with each other. And I didn't deal with those as well as I should have. I stuffed the emotion. I, I didn't allow myself to really grieve the losses, especially with my little girl. Um, and that came back to kind of bite me mm-hmm. in the butt, you know. And I found through my journey that, again, that affected things in my life affected my relationship with my other kids affected my relationship with my with my spouse it affected my relationship with my peers you know because I I was stuffing the emotion of her loss down I wasn't allowing myself to cry I wasn't allowing myself to feel the anger that was coming up
0: Mm. I was
1: you know I just kind of went about as if nothing had happened. Yes, she wasn't she was gone. But I didn't want anytime tears would start to come up. I would be like I'd like turn off a valve. I couldn't do it, you know. If tears started to come out, I'd stop. I'd stop myself mm-hmm. midway and go, "Nope. I don't have time for this. I can't and I can't think about this." And I would go about my business. But that is very not counterproductive. It's kind of productive to do that because when we have tears or we have emotions that are coming up whether it be anger or sadness we have to feel it we have to give it a voice allow it to come up and sit with us and then we can let it go it mm-hmm. doesn't mean it has to stick around it just means you have to let it out of your body it's coming up for a reason and those emotions when they come up if you release them they're very cathartic They help you have a little bit of release and then begin to have peace.
0: Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, I'm looking on your website here, too. And I know that aside from the grief coaching, the transformational coaching, you have something that really caught my attention. You have a happy for no reason coaching. Can you talk to my audience a little bit about the happy for no reason? I, I like that. It's catchy.
1: I became, um, I was reading Marcy Shemoff's book, Happy for No Reason. She was the, um, the founder for the program. And so I went through the certification to become a Happy for No Reason trainer. And basically, the promise of that is that when she was writing the book, she interviewed the 100 most happiest people. And these were people, these weren't people that you know, life hadn't happened to. These were people that had experienced life in very dramatic ways. Um, for example, there was a woman in there. One of the stories she talked about was a woman that was, she was a, a pediatric nurse and she had done a long shift, you know, had, had worked a double shift, come home. She was tired. She went by the drugstore, picked up some drops because her eyes were burning, went home, opened the drops, put the drops in her eyes. And all of a sudden, she, her eyes were burning and she couldn't see. Mm. Unfortunately, the eye, the, the eye drops had been laced with something, but short story, she basically, she lost her sight. She went from being a pediatric nurse to losing her sight. She went into a hole, she slipped into a hole you know, which is normal. I mean, you're going to, you do have to grieve that. You do have to allow yourself to feel whatever's coming up and you're allowed to fall into a hole where you don't want to stay is you don't want to stay in that hole. So this, in this lady, this was back in the 80s. So she knew that, you know, having worked in the hospital, she knew that people that had lost their sights could get seeing eye dogs. So she managed to call the program that managed the seeing eye dogs and they said yeah you can you can qualify for this you have to come and you have to be able to show that you can live on your own and you know take care of yourself and then once you graduate you can get a seeing eye dog so she went through this process and she got her dog and she got her life back she began her husband began she was a Big bird watcher. So her husband became her eyes for seeing the birds. He'd say, I see this bird. It's got this color. And she'd identify it. You know, the dog helped her to continue to get outside and do the walks. I mean, she needed some accommodations and stuff, but she mm-hmm. didn't allow what was a very tragic event to take her down completely. For a period of time, she did. She slipped into a hole. And Mm -hmm. she got depressed and she, but she decided to, there was more to life than just staying depressed. Mm -hmm. So the happiest people that Marcy Sharma interviewed were people that had had events happen to them and they pulled them up, pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and kept on going. Mm -hmm. It didn't mean that they didn't have experiences and they didn't feel pain. They did. I mean, some of the stories that she she wrote about were just like, oh my gosh. And they were still standing, you know, they were still functioning people, but they had been through the ringer and back, but they didn't allow the circumstances and the external events to affect who they became. Mm -hmm. You Mm know, as I say, you know, when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. You may want to throw a few lemons at whoever threw the lemons at you, but you make lemonade and you don't let it, if it knocks you down and takes you back a few steps, you get back up and you keep on going. Even if it's just an inch at a time, it's always forward progress.
0: So what's the first step, Candy, to being, to transforming your grief what is the very first step that someone should take to get over to the other side and kind of move beyond the current pain and your current circumstances?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is acknowledge that you, you want to move past it, that you want the help. No one can, we can't make people get help. Mm-hmm. We're only, we can only be totally responsible for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can't control people. We can't control their responses or their reactions to things. But we can control ours. We can control how we respond and how we react to stuff. So you have to make a choice. Everything in our life is about choices. Yeah. We may, may not believe that, but it is about choices. We make a choice of whether we want to heal and get help. And if you want the help, and you wanna get through the grief, then there are resources and there are there's support there. But you have to be willing to step out and say, I need help, I need someone to support me and get me going in the direction I need to go.
0: Yeah, because I know for me, I have people in my life that I communicate with on a daily basis. And there's a beautiful lady. I know her. We work together in the legal profession, and she experienced a traumatic divorce like 23 years ago. And in talking to her, she doesn't seem to want to move beyond the pain and the grief of losing her husband, her family, and things of that nature. So, Candy, how do you help people who are stuck and don't and don't really want to move forward, how do you nudge them? How do you push them? Or do you just let them be?
1: Well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it and figure out what's going on. I mean, you know, we get a little history. And I mean, for example, uh, I'm not going to divulge details, but I'll give you the synopsis. I have a client who just went through an, a divorce. She got blindsided by a divorce and it came out of nowhere. She wasn't expecting it. So, um, this situation, what is in essence, when it comes to someone needing to move past something, we talk about why we get down to the reasons, you know, why did they not want to move past that event by staying in or staying on a hamster wheel, as I call it, they're getting something from it. What is it? you know, I mean, I do some digging, we'll do some, some can be quite painful digging at times, because, you know, I'm asking them questions to make them kind of confront and look at what it is that they're wanting to hold on to. Is it a memory? Is it what makes them want to stick to something that isn't serving them anymore? Once you figure out, what it is, then you can work on getting past it, you can start, you know, I can teach them tools and strategies that can help them get them out of fight or flight when they start revving their, their mind up that goes a certain direction, you know, I can teach them about mindset, and that they don't have to stay in the mindset they're in, they make a choice. I do hold my, my clients, I'm um, going say accountable, but I call them out when they're trying to tell themselves their stories because we all have stories and we tell ourselves stories all the time. I do it in love. I don't, you know, I'm not harsh at it, but I will stop someone and say, you know what? Don't go there. You go there, you're going to go slipping and sliding down a hole and spinning in the mud. Now you can make a choice if you want to stay there, but... If you don't wanna go there, make a better choice. Do something right. different. Right.
0: Do you feel that you are honoring your calling in life, Candy, by doing what you do? I do. You do?
1: Yeah. When did, I mean, when did you, you discover
0: think. that? At what point?
1: Truth be told, it was a few years back, but mm. that I would really, always had a, a desire to help people from an early age. I was, I mean, as you, as I told you, my, my mom was always, I was her sounding board. So I was trying to figure stuff out, but people were always gravitating towards me too. When they needed something. I mean, when I was 10, I had a friend who was anorexic and she would come and tell me her problems. And then, you know, her mom had to take her to a facility to get treatment because she was losing weight too much and Mm. I remember that event because she called me and she's like Candy please don't let him take me and my friend's mom got on the phone and she's like honey we need to get her help you know and and it wasn't until I her mom took me to see her at the hospital that I realized how much help she really needed but yeah people have already always gravitated towards me I guess I have a presence or sounding ear. I'm not sure which, but they do. And I have really good, my clients have told me I have really good insight. I mean, I, you know, I don't always see some of my clients face to face. Sometimes it's through zoom. Sometimes we'll just have a a phone conversation, but I listen to them and I hear something that they're not saying. And I I'll go, I'm identifying this, this, and this, and I'm not even physically in front of them. And they're like, wow. Yeah. (laughs) You are. You're right, you know. So I have that insight to that. And Candy,
0: speaking of your clients, I have a testimonial here. It says Candy has changed my life. And the biggest thing I have learned is that I do not have to stay in a rut or the old mindset of my childhood. I am grateful to know that I can take my thoughts captive and not be held prisoner to them. I have learned to acknowledge my emotions and not to act on them or allow them to take over my life. Thanks to Candy. So, Candy, this is a testimonial from one of your clients. uh, And it looks like you're definitely honoring your passion and you're taking your your skills and talents and making the world a better place. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that feels?
1: It feels good to help people. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know. If I, even if it's just in one small aspect of their life, if I know I've, you know, making a difference in someone's life, that's worth everything I do. What do you love most
0: about what you do?
1: Seeing people transform. Hmm.
0: And what does that feel like?
1: It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. When someone transforms, and becomes a better version of themselves, then I have done something. I have, you know, and sometimes, you know, like I have a client that she takes four steps forward to go two back, mm-hmm. but we're working through it, you know,
0: together
1: together. And it's like I always tell her, it's not about the big giant steps, it's about the forward progress. Mm-hmm. It's it's about making those steps forward and shedding those old mindsets and shedding those old thoughts that want to keep us stuck. Cause you know, our brain is very primi- primitive, sorry, primal, primal <laughs> primitive. And it wants to keep us stuck. Its main mission is to keep us in a box. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oftentimes our brain gets in the way of our peace and our, you know, recovery from grief, because it tells us, oh, that's not safe. You know, you go outside of your comfort zone, and your brain goes, oh, that's not safe. That's not safe. You can't go there because you've created a pattern. You've created a habit. So your brain goes, oh, we want to keep you there because it thinks it's keeping you safe. Right. Well, When you start to step outside of that, all the alarms go off that something's not right.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Uh, but teach my clients that it's okay to step outside of that box Mm. it's not gonna it's not dangerous it you know and we can we can rebuild new neural pathways in our brain rather than the ones that we're so used to going down
0: yes we can Yes. And Candy, uh, as we all know, September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. And I invited you here, Can- Candy, and I appreciate you accepting the invitation. So you're helping me kick off a very, very important month in my podcast history, which is Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. I have some statistics here that I would like to share with my audience. Uh, if most of you don't even realize this, but across the world, at least 60,000 people, I'm going to say that number again, 60,000 people will die by suicide throughout the world each year. And every six to, we have six to 10 new survivors per, I'm sorry, six to 10 new survivors per suicide. And... There are one to two suicides every 12 to 17 minutes. And approximately 10 million people have survived a suicide attempt. And every 39 seconds in the United States, someone dies by suicide. These numbers are astronomical. Candy, if there is someone watching or listening right now, who may be feeling suicidal? Who has lost their drive for life? What advice would you give them to keep holding on a little bit longer?
1: Hold on to whatever, whatever shred of hope you've got. It may be. It may feel like you don't have a lot of hope, but there's something there that you can hold on to, whether it be um, a person. Uh, you know, reach out. I encourage people to reach out. I've lost friends to suicide. I lost one um, last year. Mm-hmm. And then I lost one mm-hmm. in 2016. And mm-hmm. it was, it was crushing. It affected me in in multiple ways and made me have to kind of reset, you know, because I went through the shoulda coulda woulda what did, what did I miss you know why didn't I see this this is what I work with this is you know I help people but the truth is with both my friends they were determined they weren't mm-hmm. going you know they weren't they hit it well and they didn't give they just they acted but if you're feeling like you need to act reach out to somebody if my friend would have reached out. I'd have been there in a heartbeat. I don't, or would have gotten someone to be there,
0: mm-hmm. but they didn't.
1: And um, mm-hmm. reach out to a loved one, to a, a suicide prevention hotline. There are people that can help you, can walk mm-hmm. you off that ledge, can kind of, you know, hold your hand until you can get the services you need. mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have the suicide
0: lifeline number posted here. The number is 988. Just like you would dial 911 in an emergency, you can now dial 988 for the suicide lifeline number. They have trained professionals there to help you 24 hours of day a day, and they want to see you honor your purpose in life. And the only way you can do that is by being alive and working through your problems. Candy, I want to go back a little bit. You and I were just speaking about uh, your friend and how they hit it well and they didn't show. Well, I recently attended a workshop for suicide prevention. And let me tell you all some of the adjectives that describe people who recently committed suicide. One of the adjectives was carefree. The person was carefree, funny, happy. They were the outdoors type. They were very loving, creative, sensitive, gentle, artistic, musical, successful. They loved life. They had a zest for life. They were carefree. They were giving. They were caring. So when you listen to all of these adjectives, none of them describe the characteristics of someone who's ready to end their life. So suicide is a very complicated subject matter because you would not know that that carefree friend of yours or the person who had a zest for life or someone like my dad who was always the life of the party. You don't know. So all of these adjectives that I just described to you are of people who ended their lives suddenly. Do you have any feedback on that, Candy?
1: I mean, suicide, unfortunately, can affect anybody. Mm -hmm. It really can. It's, you know, most people that when they reach the point of suicide or an an attempt of suicide, it's usually because in their mind, they feel they have no other alternative. Mm -hmm. They feel isolated.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. And it doesn't have to look like walking down the street with your head hung high or crying all the time. It doesn't look that way.
1: Mm-mm. I mean, you know, there are people, my my one friend that I lost in 2016, she had, she unfortunately was bipolar. And um, before she took her life, she had her um, boyfriend at the time had died of a heart attack. And she was planning his funeral. That was the last conversation I had with her. I mean, I knew she wasn't wasn't in a good space. But, you know, I, I told her, I said, I'm here for you. If you, you know, talk to me, I wasn't going to push at that time, because she had a lot of stuff going on. But I told her, I said, I'm here for you. We'll get through it. We'll talk, you know, she's like, yeah, yeah. And then the next thing I knew that she had taken her life. But the point of this is it can affect any of us. I've been in no shoes, not that I've taken my, you know, but I've been on that verge of feeling like, oh my gosh, there are no other alternatives. It was in my head. I mean, I was telling myself that there's no other alternatives and I felt so broken at the time. And I felt like, Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, what do I do? How do I? After, you know, I told you about I lost my four-month-old and my and my parents. And I remember laying in bed one day, and I was crying. I was beginning to cry, and I was beginning to get mad and stuff. And I remember crying out to, to God, going, God, just take me home. Let mm. me go. And I heard... <laughs> No, I'm not crazy. But I heard and, you know, a voice that said, No, you've got more things to do in this world. Mm
0: -hmm. And I got mad.
1: I was like, No, that's not fair. You know, I just wanted I wanted to end the pain that I was feeling. The pain was, I mean, I'd lost three people in my life. And it was starting to bubble up. And it was starting to come up. And it was starting, it needed a home. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I couldn't. It was, it felt more than my body could handle. And I was like, I just want to leave this world. But I remember reaching out to a friend going, I really need, and, you know, reaching out to my spouse and saying, I really, I need a hug. I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread right now. So that was and the turning then, point for you.
0: Yeah. When you reached out. And how did they receive you? When you talked to your friend and your spouse, what was it like?
1: She held space for me. She's mm-hmm. like, it, it'll be okay. You know, she didn't try to say, offer me solutions. There were no solutions. All she could do is, I'm going to hold space for you. And I do know this, you may not feel like it right now, but eventually you will be okay. You will get through this. It's it's about taking little baby steps. And we're not talking, you know, big giant leaps. For me at that moment in my life, it was like taking little inchworm steps, you know? I was going super, super slow. But the more steps I made forward and the more steps, the more I reached out, I journaled, I would start journaling, journaling my feelings because all those feelings needed a place to go. And mm. instead of being in my head, because that's half the problem is with our uh, human beings is we get into our heads too much. And mm-hmm. we start thinking, well, our brain doesn't distinguish between what's real and what's not, you know, a real thought and a non a real thought. Right. So I started journaling what I was feeling. And I started um, running. got back into running and I started to get out and do stuff. Movement, movement does wonders. Mm -hmm. Um, Whenever you're feeling low, I encourage people to change their physical state. You know, Tony Robbins talks about that. You change your physical state um, and you get out, you can dance, you can sing, you can uh, do exercise jump mm-hmm. up and down for a few minutes and just mm-hmm. you will begin to produce the serotonin the dopamine and gaba and all those other feel good hormones that your body is needing at that moment so you know when I'm, I'm i have days when i feel kind of off and i'm like i start singing i turn on some some music that i like to sing to and i'll sing no one's you
0: know yeah and sometimes for me just a change of scenery if i could leave mm-hmm. if i'm in my basement if i leave and come upstairs and go into a kitchen or step into the dining room just sometimes the change of light and the change of scenery can definitely enhance the mood and make you feel a whole lot better mm-hmm. yeah definitely
1: yeah change your change your environment change your you know do something that changes your physical state mm-hmm. and that can make a tremendous difference and reach out to people. I know, yes. you know, a lot of people, one of the thought processes that I had when I was feeling this is, oh, people are too busy. But when I reached out, I said, I just need an ear. I need someone to hug me. I need someone to, you know, hold my hand and just listen to me. They were yeah. there, you know, and they took the time. Because yeah. I think that's the most important
0: information you've given us today. It's yeah, that's one of the most the most important thing you told us today is to reach out to someone. Mm-hmm. That's the most important step you can take because we can't do it alone. We need that help and support. But when What we also need to know on the opposite side of that is when we receive a call from a friend or a family member who's going through a crisis and they are not okay, we need to make them understand that calling us was the right decision. We can't push them away. We can't criticize them. We can't ridicule them. Oh, don't tell me you're thinking about killing yourself, are you? We have to talk to them in a way That makes them feel accepted, that lets them know that what they're feeling is normal and it's okay and that we're here to support them. Is that correct, Candy?
1: Yeah. And if you don't feel comfortable, not everybody feels comfortable talking to someone that is expressing those thoughts. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel comfortable, then reach, you know, help them find the support they can, they they may need.
0: Not everybody's
1: gonna have the knowledge or the wherewithal to walk with somebody down that journey, but mm-hmm. you can help them get the support they need. You may, they may need you to walk with them to get that support or, you know, but if you don't, it, don't try to do something that you don't feel you can handle.
0: Yeah, definitely. Candy, mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure speaking with you here today. I have your website listed here and it's Candy. Campbell.net, K-A-N-D-I-E-E, Campbell.net. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So if any of my audience members would like to reach out to Candy for her services, for her help, please do so by going to her website. That's K-A-N-D-I-E-E, Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.net. CandyCampbell.net. Candy, is there anything else you would like to share with my audience before we conclude our interview?
1: Just that there's always support, there's always help. You know, Mm -hmm. you may not feel like it if you're faced with that. I have no other alternatives. There are resources and support that you can find and are willing and receptive to helping get the help you need.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, before I let you go, Candy, I do have to ask you the million dollar question here on my podcast. Speaking of love, as we all know, this podcast was created in honor of my dad. My dad once hosted a radio show called speaking of sports. So when he passed away, I wanted to create something in his honor. And I know nothing about sports. So I created this podcast, Speaking of Love, in honor of his show, Speaking of Sports. So the million-dollar question that I ask all of my guests who sit before me is, how do you define love? Candy, what's your definition of love?
1: Love for me is a willingness and an openness to share my, my heart, my gifts, my resources Mm. with Mm. the people around me. Mm. And just being present with them. Mm. Because I think for many of us, we're always either looking at the past, Mm. or focusing on the future. Right. And we're not in the here and now in the present moment. Mm,
0: I love that. I love that. Thank you. Because what it is, is you're taking what you have inside of you and you're giving it to others as a form of love. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. When the pages of your life are reviewed, Candy, and your mission here on planet Earth is over. What do you most want to be remembered for? What's your legacy?
1: That I touched the lives. Mm. That I may, you know, that even if it's just one person that I changed a life somewhere along the line, I had an impact on mm. either who becoming helping them become who they were meant to be or changing their life to from a dark path to a path that was filled with light.
0: Wow. And when I go to your website and I read those testimonials, Candy, you have already achieved your intention. You're, you're living that legacy right now. You've done it. So I bow to your excellence. I always bow. I bow to the excellence of people like you, Candy, who dedicate their lives to serving others you you don't have to do that but you do it selflessly and I love it I love every minute of it so thank you for being you thank you for what you do and thank you for blessing my podcast with your presence today it's truly truly been an honor all the way from Hawaii at six o'clock in the morning you're here thank Thank you thank you my sister So if anyone listening has missed any portion of this podcast, the podcast will live forever on YouTube. We're on Facebook. But I recently became active on iHeartRadio. So if you go to iHeartRadio and you type in Speaking of Love in the search bar, My podcast episodes will all show up so you can catch us there. And I will be back here next Saturday with another episode of Speaking of Love. We have a few audience members that are tuning in today. We have Susan Hayes. She was here a couple weeks ago. And she says, hello. Hi, Susan. We have my dear friend, Nanette. And she said that our episode is just beautiful. Thank you, Nanette. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And thank you all for watching. And I will be back here next Saturday with another uh, audience member. I have a, a young lady who's coming on to speak about suicide prevention and awareness. So I hope you all can join us next week. If not, we'll always be available for you when you get the opportunity to watch. So thank you all so much. And I hope you all have a beautiful weekend.